I just hit the record button here. Um, sister Sarah not well this morning, and uh, and uh, Heather's daughter was sick, so she said she was going to stay home. She feels like she's been exposed. Uh, hey, there's a. Got a couple more people here, but uh, I am glad to see Matt. Matt, you haven't been here for a little bit, so I'm thankful. These guys are going to get an apartment or a house in Harrisonville, so they're going to live close. Hey, brother. Morning. How's the rinkers? Yeah. yeah. You have a little dry. You didn't drive from Sedalia this morning. No. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, Chuck, make sure they get a hand out there. And uh, Leo, I don't think, got one. Leo and Tamita. Tamita, you want to get your hand out? So, uh, <coughs> how are you, Leo? Good. Yeah? Did you work all night? Yeah. This guy has literally two full-time jobs, right? Mm-hmm. So he's working 80 hours a week. No, they don't work 80 hours. Not that many? Okay. <laughs> Probably just seems like it. Seven days a week. <laughs> it is seven days a week. So, wow. So, Every day. <laughs> man, I was going to comment on how young you are, but you're... You're not a young man to be doing all that. Wow. He is a man, though, so. Yeah, he's a man's man. What are you guys doing to that baby? I never can quite get situated, but uh, <clears throat> all right. Well, uh, I'll just give a little bit of a recap. We are in Jeremiah chapter 44. Uh, some of you are new, and some of you haven't been here for a while. Let me give you just a little recap. Uh, we started a year ago in Jeremiah, and we, we've been trying to do one chapter per week. Uh, but we, so we are up to chapter. Whoop! I guess I ought to put my Sorry, Facebook folks, I didn't have you on, speaker on, so thank you for joining us online. I know that's a commitment, even uh, if you're watching from home, just to get up, and um, I'm not sure I could find our, our, I guess we go to the Foundation Facebook link, so maybe I, HBF Foundation. So anyway, uh, Jeremiah is, of course, uh, uh, a Jew. He's a Hebrew man, and uh, God called him to be a prophet. And uh, to my knowledge, Jeremiah is the only man in the Bible that God told him uh, not, to, not to get married. And so uh, in some ways, uh, in the book of Revelation, it speaks about 144,000 Jewish men that are virgins, the Bible says. So, in a way, uh, Jeremiah pictures those 144,000 Jewish virgin men. And uh, he writes this book. uh, He's called uh, a prophet. In other words, he he is proclaiming God's word. Uh, 
And so that's how God spoke to... Uh, they did have the, the written uh, law. They had the first five books of Moses, I believe. I don't know how many, much other access Jeremiah would have had to uh, written, Scripture written before him. But he lived around the years 640 B.C. to 560 uh, B.C. So, And he prophesied for uh, 41 years. So this man had a good track record. He was uh, uh, probably my age or older. And... Uh, he had prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem because of the idolatry. They were, and we're going to uh, we're going to see that idolatry has a name, and we're we're going to see what the name of that is today uh, in Jeremiah forty four. But uh, just a, a few ver- a few chapters earlier, in chapter thirty nine, was the destruction of Jerusalem. The uh, Babylonians had captured Jerusalem. They had carried away captives. They they had uh, three different deportations. And you know, uh, we're talking about the war in Ukraine. Uh, even even in the news now, they're they're using the word siege. That uh, Russians have sieged certain cities in the Ukraine, and that that is a Bible word they they siege or besiege that just kind of means multiple times and so the Babylonians had besieged Jerusalem and uh, the first the first time they were able to carry away some captives uh, uh, Daniel was one of them Daniel Daniel in the lion's den so the first group that he deported to Babylon was Daniel and uh, <clears throat> the second time uh, a man named Ezekiel went with them. So there was uh, a couple of deportations and this last time in chapter 39 was uh, uh, Zedekiah the king. He was captured and they took a few more. So, So what happened in chapter 39 was after they burned the temple, they burned the king's houses, they they destroyed the walls, they tore down the walls, uh, and all they left was the poor in the land. And uh, we've we seen that that even gave uh, some people in here some hope because some of us are poor relatively. And... Uh, they left the poor people in the land because uh, they didn't really pose a threat to the Babylonians. And uh, and uh, they left them there to, to keep the vines, the, the, the vineyards, and to kind of maintain the, the land and, and to be farmers. And so, uh, and, and they, they appointed a guy named Gedaliah as the governor. Not a king, but a governor. They left Gedaliah well, so then the Babylonians kind of left, and uh, what happens is some people that had fled the country during the war, they come back, and they kill Gedaliah, and they, they say, you know, let's go to Egypt. And, and, and one of the things that they think of, uh, Jeremiah is like, no, don't go to Egypt. But last week we read they went to Egypt. <laughs> And so today we're going to see God's judgment on them for going to Egypt. And we're going to see their motive was they wanted to burn incense to false gods and worship some of the gods of Egypt. And so uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of where we're at. So would somebody read the uh, first uh, verse of Jeremiah 41 for us? Uh, 41 or 44? Uh, chapter 44, verse 1. I'm sorry. 44.1. Oh. <sighs> 
got it, Angie. Yes, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews which dwell in the land of Egypt, Okay, <clears throat> so there's four cities here in Egypt that they went to. And it says that at Migdal, it means tower. What I thought was interesting about that, uh, if you remember uh, when uh, the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt and Moses led them out by the blood of the Lamb, uh, do you remember the Pharaoh's armies kind of chase them? And uh, they were kind of up against the Red Sea and they were kind of trapped in because like the sea was behind them and the Pharaoh's army was in front of them and that's when God parted the waters well that was at Migdal and so I just thought it was interesting that that's one of the places that you know almost a thousand years later uh, the Jews go back and that's one of the towns so I thought that was kind of interesting and then in verse 2 of chapter 44 Read down to verse 6 for us. It says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Ye have seen all the evil that I have brought upon Jerusalem and upon all the cities of Judah. And behold, this day they are a desolation, and no man dwelleth therein. And then he says, Because of their wickedness which they have committed to provoke me to anger, and that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they know not neither they nor your fathers how be it I sent unto you all my servants the prophets rising early and sending them saying oh do not this abomination or abominable thing that I hate but they hearken not nor incline their ear to turn from their wickedness to burn no incense unto other gods wherefore my fury and mine anger was poured forth and was kindled in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem and they are wasted and desolate as at this day <clears throat> and so I put your first blank there is just the word desolate and it's really interesting here that uh, you know our Lord we have a personal God, don't we? It says He he can be angry. There, there's a place in Psalms that says that God is angry with the wicked every day. That's quite a deal, isn't it? You know, we were looking on Friday night. Uh, the Bible says to grieve not the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's a person. It, it, he can be grieved. God can be angry. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. and 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 it's listing some reasons why here. And it says they were burning incense to other gods. They were serving other gods. Uh, God kept sending them prophets. They were rising up early, you know, not only early in the morning, but early in in the in the life of the nation of Israel. Right from the start, God would send them prophets, and so that early kind of means both things. Just they would get up early in the morning and have time with the Lord, and so we all should be doing that. Uh, but you know what? Uh, the Jews were like, no, we want to burn incense. Their heart wasn't right toward the Lord, and uh, they refused to turn from their wickedness. <clears throat> and so uh, somebody read verses 10, uh, 7 through 10. Uh, Emmett, would you read that for us? 7 through 10. 
Okay, chapter 44. Also. Have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers and the wickedness of the kings of Judah? Your wives and your own wickedness. Of your wives which they have committed in the land of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. They are not humble, even neither have they feared nor walked in my law or in my statute. All right, thank you, Emmett. Uh, <clears throat> So I put your second blank here is just the word humbled. You know, last week we 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 studied quite a bit about pride because the the proud men that were left there in uh, Israel, they were the ones that says, you know, we're not going to listen to Jeremiah. We are going to Egypt, and uh, so now we said the opposite of pride was humility, and we we said that God resists the proud. So God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble and how you know uh, it's important that all of us do have just some humility some gratitude and that we're not arrogant or boastful and uh, you know do things our own way you know even Christ he, he prayed you know God not my will but thine be done <clears throat> and so uh, we, we want his will above our own <clears throat> and so I, I put the word humble there uh, turn so, so, so let's look at Ezekiel. I want I want you to see this because in my mind, as I'm reading this, and, and Pam remind me, Pam said she had to read this chapter two or three times before she really felt like it spoke to her. But in my mind, I'm thinking we have read these same words ten times in the book of Jeremiah. God's telling them to do something. They won't do it. They're prideful. They're in idolatry. God's going to punish them. So it's this cycle of sin. But, I, I mean, in my mind, you know, God's already judged several thousand people that went into captivity. A lot of them died during the capture of Jerusalem. So this is just this handful of poor people. Why is God spending so much time? These are just the remnant of the remnant. <laughs> They're the poor of the poor. They're just, uh, you know, and we're going to see that they just really dig in their heels and they actually tell Jeremiah, we are not going to do what God says. And so look at Ezekiel. There was something here I read. I think this is representative of the story in Jeremiah, what's going on there. Let's look at Ezekiel 29. 
And there's something right at the end I want us to see, but let's start in verse 13. Uh, I think that's where I want. 13. <clears throat> and let me just read all the way to verse 21, and that'll that'll kind of capture what's going on with Jeremiah 44. Yet thus saith the Lord God, at the end of forty years will I gather the Egyptians from the people whither they were scattered. And so I don't know if it's been that long. I don't. I really don't know some of the time frame, how long they've been in Egypt. I think this is a reference to what we're reading in Jeremiah 44. He says, And I will bring again the captivity of Egypt and will cause them to return into the land of Pathros, into the land of their habitation, and they shall be there a base kingdom. It shall be the basis of kingdoms, neither shall it exalt thyself any more above the nations, for I will diminish them, and they shall no more rule over the nations. And it shall be no more the confidence of the house of Israel, which bringeth in bringeth their iniquity to remembrance when they took after them, but they shall know that I am the Lord God. <clears throat> So uh, note, note what he said there at the end of verse 16. T- to me, this is the capstone of what God's doing is the reason he's spending so much time. I mean, Jeremiah is the man of God. He's our hero. And all he's wanting Israel to know is that I am the Lord God. <clears throat> in verse 17, And it came to pass in the seven and twentieth year, in the first month, in the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, caused his army to serve a great service against Tyrus. Uh, every head was made bald, and every shoulder was peeled, yet had no wages, nor his army, for Tyrus, for the service that he had served against it. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will... Give the land of Egypt unto Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall take her multitude, and take her spoil, and take her prey, and it shall be the wages for his army. Verse 20, I have given him the land of Egypt for his labor, wherewith he served against it, because they wrought, or worked, uh, for me, the Babylonians work for me, saith the Lord God. And in verse 21, In that day will I cause the horn of the house of Israel to bud forth, and I will give thee the opening of the mouth in the midst of them, and they shall know that I am the Lord. <clears throat> so uh, what we're reading in Jeremiah 44 because Judah is down there serving other gods, God is going to send Babylon down into Egypt and destroy the Egyptians and some of the... But, but the whole goal is to know the Lord. I, that's my teaching point here. My teaching point is God wants His people to know the Lord. Now that, that sounds pretty simple, but I, I feel like it kind of cuts through everything. Why should we quit burning incense to other gods? Because He wants you to know Him. Why should we obey the word of the Lord? God wants you to know Him. You know, why do we keep feeling like we're punished? Because God wants you to know the Lord. I I think that's the message. 
Because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, God, it's just, there's just a few people. What's the big deal? It's like you keep sending them prophets and you keep telling them the same things. He wants them to know the Lord. He wants us to know the Lord, right? So, that's all I got from these first few verses of chapter 44 and verses 1 through 10. Is there any other comments? Let's go back to chapter 44 now. We want to get all through this chapter if we can. Um, And these next three verses here... let me ask you my my presumption here I believe that God gives us repentance repentance is kind of a gift so how does he do that I mean uh, I, I could I can tell you how he did it in my life he let me go broke farming in North Missouri and it I mean, every day was a nice day. My crops burned up. My my my. It was a wet spring. It was a wet fall. We had to mud our crops. The whole year was a disaster. We we lost all our money in eighty in eighty three. But God was doing that, you know, looking back to bring me to repentance, and I think that's what God is doing with Israel. He's got them down there. They keep they're so determined to do wrong. And God's like, I just want you to know me. He's having to kill some of them to bring repentance to the others. And so let's read. uh, In fact, uh, Marcy, why don't you look at chapter 44. Everybody else turn to 2 Timothy. But Marcy's going to read 44, 11 through 14. And everybody else is going to go to 2 Timothy. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will set my face against you for evil, and to cut off all of Judah. And I will take the remnant of Judah that have set their faces to go into the land of Egypt, to confer there, and they shall they shall all be consumed and fall in the land of Egypt. They shall even be consumed by the sword, and by the and by the famine. They shall die from the least even to the greatest, by the sword and by family. And they shall be extrication. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like poop. It's your excrement. That's what it is. You're going to be like poop. Even <laughs> <laughs> an astonishment and a curse in her face. For I will punish them that dwell in the land of Egypt as I have punished Jerusalem by the sword, by the famine, and by the sexual Okay, so wow, that, that's pretty harsh. I'm going to bring the sword. A lot of you are going to die. Did, did it use the word escape? Isn't that uh, that she read there, 11 through 14? 14 has, shall escape or remain. Yeah, so that, that's what I had you put in your blank is just the word escape. So... The only way you're getting out of Egypt is if, is if you escape. Uh, so now, now the rest of us look at Second Timothy, and we're going to read 24 through 26. And here the Bible says, "And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves." 
if God peradventure will give them repentance there's that word God will give them repentance to the uh, acknowledging of the truth that I may recover that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will so the devil has a will to take you captive and peradventure God would give you repentance that you can acknowledge the truth and you can you can escape you can recover out of the snare of the devil the devil wants to trap us don't he and he wants to take us captive and uh, so it's it's like a live animal trap and I don't know if you uh, I I used to do some trapping and mostly I used like a foot trap and I, but I did have one live animal trap I think I caught a cat in there a rabbit or something it was something uh, but my goal was to trap raccoons uh, and but but I would kill them but the goal of a live animal is is to, to take them captive and so you could transport them uh, or, or, or kill them I guess for the, the hide or whatever but anyway uh, if you really think about that how, how God gives us repentance so you know, we believe that God uses suffering for a reason, and, and for a lost person, God orchestrates the events in your lives to, to bring you to repentance, doesn't He? Just, just like you know, it, I am not a good swimmer, but if I was out swimming, you know, as long as I feel good and the, you know the waves are calm, I could swim. But you know, if it gets windy or dark or stormy. You know, I'm going to sink pretty quick, so I'm going to need a life preserver pretty quick. And so I think God, you know, you picture like, you know, lost people. You know, when, when we were, we helped start a church in Overland Park back in 96 or 7. And uh, that was one of the things that we were up against is it's a very affluent uh, city, Overland Park, Kansas. It's the second most educated city in the whole United States. Just very smart, very affluent people. And so most people, when they have money and they have their health, they have education, they don't maybe need God. They don't think they need God. But uh, So it's not really till you're sinking to, that you feel like you, you know, you reach up with your hand of faith. Lord, save me, help me. And so, uh, so that's how God gives us repentance. I believe. What, what are you, what are you thinking as we talk about this? I know Pam, you had some thoughts about the chapter. Well, yeah, my thoughts were about another thing. Okay. Yeah, but when I think of, uh, he gives us repentance. He gives us opportunity to repent rather than just strike us dead. Right. Yeah. yeah, he's sending those prophets. Yeah, he gives us the opportunity mm-hmm. to come to him and ask for forgiveness and be washed with the word. Amen. Anybody else? Are you thinking this? Yeah. No, it's like like you were saying. Um, it's God leads us to that place so He can give us give it to us. Like you said, He orchestrates the events mm-hmm. and everything in our lives to bring us that place. You know, so it works on us from the outside and from the end. Romans two four says uh, it says, "Or despisest thou the riches of?" His goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, 
not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repent. Mm. So it's really saying that yeah. things. That yeah. He's leading us. The goodness of God leads us to, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the goodness is those things that bring us to that point where we get to the end of ourselves and give up. Mm-hmm. Turn to Him. Yeah. And he gives us repentance. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this is good. Yeah. No, that's really good. At the at the time it, it yeah, at the time we were going broke, it's like why is this happening, Lord? Why you know, it's hard on everything and everything we work for is going down the drain and but yet it he working on the heart and wanting to bring about change and any anybody else? Franny, you taking it in? I'm trying to catch everything and uh-huh. get part of it down and get switched. I've got a, this new Bible and it's hard to get the pages. <laughs> so when you get one place, I'm okay. still looking for the other. But I, yeah, well, I don't, yeah, don't want to go. T- a lot of your comments. Oh, good, good. You know, uh, you know when Paul was saved on the road to Damascus, you know the you know you know what the Lord told him. He says. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, and and that's a pretty rich statement. Um, so, most of you know I grew up on a farm, and we had cattle and hogs. But you know, when we're working with cattle, and we might have them in a pen about this size, and we're trying to get them to go up the loading chute, you know, we would we would prod them, we we would prick them with a long stick and and you know oftentimes they would they would kick against those pricks. You're trying to get them to go somewhere and they're kicking against it. Is that accurate, uh, Emmett? You're a I know you don't have cattle now, do you? But but I think of that when I Paul is kicking you know, Paul watched Stephen get stoned to death and he's praising the Lord and he's preaching the word and they're killing him and Paul was holding the coat he watched all that don't you think that pricked his mind like man there's something different about that guy and so like you're saying Pat you know how how good God is some of these people down in Egypt they're kicking against the pricks that the the Lord is goading them with his word and they're they're resisting it and so uh you know, a few of them escape, uh, Jeremiah being one of them. So God uh, God allows this way of escape, and, and he does that for all of that. That's what it, uh, one of the first verses I memorized was 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says, There uh, hath uh, no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, uh, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. And so that may be a little bit off, but he, God makes a way of escape, and he gives us this uh, path of repentance and so now let's all go back to Jeremiah 44. And Franny, you still there, girl? I'm there. All right. Would you read 15 and 16 for us? Sure. Then, which knew that their wives had burned incense unto another god, and all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt, in Pothros answered Jeremiah saying as for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord we will hearken unto thee 
Alright. So there they come right out and so so the the men are actually speaking for their wives. Their wives had been burning incense and uh they actually says right there in verse 16 as for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord we will not hearken unto thee so they were very abstinent and uh, we're going to see what the name of their idolatry is called here in just a minute it's in verse 17 Uh, Matt do you care to read that we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn it to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done. We, our fathers, our kings, and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. Then have plenty of bills and were well man saw no evil. So they're. This phrase uh, came up in Jeremiah 7, and it's four times... I didn't leave you a blank for that, but this this is what the name of their uh, idolatry was, is they're they're burning incense. What do you think that means, to burn incense? To worship. They were worshiping. So, I mean, physically, uh, uh, I I don't know if I've ever bought incense, but I, I think of it kind of like... Uh, the punk that you light fireworks with that's kind of incense it's uh, you know it has kind of a smoldering but the, the Bible likens incense unto prayer and, and so that's why Jim is saying they're, they're offering their incense and as the smoke goes up it's like your prayers are going up to heaven and so it's kind of a physical representation of our spiritual prayers and so they're they're worshiping this queen of heaven, and so uh, I wanted us to talk about that here a little bit. <clears throat> I found a website. Uh, if you would like that, uh, I can. Um, just a second. Where am I at? Okay. So uh, this Queen of Heaven, and I know uh, Pam, you you mentioned this when we were back in Chapter Seven. I, I I didn't really zero in on it like I feel like I'm going to today. But I don't know if you can read that. But uh, it kind of starts with Nimrod in in Genesis Chapter Ten. I've heard people in the workplace call somebody a Nimrod. Have you ever? Yeah. And it's a it's a derogatory thing. You Nimrod, and you're, you're calling him a jerk or something worse, you know. But he was actually a guy in the Bible, and he he uh, established a kingdom called uh, Babel or Babylon. That was that was he he began, and so uh, he was the great grandson of Noah. And his mother, uh, and now this word is not in the Bible, this Simeranus, how, how do I say it? Simeranus. Simeranus. Yeah, he was wicked. Um, so that was, historically, that's his wife. That That's actually documented in several things. She's also known as Ishtar and Isis. And we, we've, we've heard of those things. So th- those are words from Babylon. 
uh, even unto this day and uh, in Egypt it was known as Osiris it's very similar to Isis and he was uh, so this Nimrod was the founder of the first world empire at Babel later known as Babylon and so those are at the bottom of your front page there uh, you have you have what I've got on the screen now uh, according to history a few years later this Semiramis she bore a son uh, Horus or Gilgamesh she declared that she had been visited by the spirit of Nimrod who left her pregnant with the boy so she didn't marry after her husband died but she got pregnant out of wedlock so she said oh well this was the spirit of Nimrod he got me pregnant I'm going to call him Horus and she maintained that Nimrod was reincarnated through her and so what this uh, Semiramis and Horus they were worshipped as Madonna and child and as the generations passed they were worshipped under other names in different countries and languages many uh, these are recognizable Fortuna or Venus and Jupiter in Rome we've heard of Aphrodite and Adonis in Greece Ashtaroth, now that's a Bible word Ashtaroth, it's a female deity that was worshipped in the Bible or Astarte, I think that word's in the Bible and then uh, Moloch or Baal I believe were the uh, like the male form so Ashtaroth, the female Baal so these are Bible words and here uh, Queen of Heaven in Jeremiah 7.18 and Ezekiel uh, names her son as Tammuz so that, that word's in our Bible so uh, this in Jeremiah 44 the Queen of Heaven is Egypt's moon goddess uh, Assaeus or Isis so she is called Semiramis in Babylon, Astroth in the Phoenician, Venus in Rome, Ashtar, Ashtroth, Stardi in Syria, and uh, Ishtar in Nineveh, that, that's in Babylon. And guess what she's called in the United States? Mary. It, it is Mary, in the, but it, it's Easter. It's where we get our word Easter, it's from Ishtar. And so uh, some of this has some uh, pagan origin is, is kind of what I'm uh, trying to present here. And we're, we're getting to what uh, Pam said, Mary. Uh, but it was Diana in Ephesus. And there's another word in India. And that, that word in India, I think we saw that when we were in India. That word, Ovika. Uh, so this title refers to Ishtar, an Assyrian and Babylonian goddess also called Ashtaroth and Astarte and, and the motivation of women to worship Ashtaroth stem from her reputation as a fertility goddess since Ashtaroth worship involved sexuality there were some fertility rites and temple prostitution the resulting relationship to the depraved mind would naturally be one of sexual nature and then, um, I don't know, that, that was a, a lot of words. Hopefully that made sense. That may be the first time some of you may have heard of that. And so I, I can help give you the uh, website that I had. Uh, but then what Pam mentioned, uh, Mariology became a Catholic doctrine around 431. 
but it started in Turkey where the city of Ephesus was located where the pagan goddess Diana was and there's some reference in the Bible uh, for Diana and worshiping Diana so do you think do you think that, that was the devil that because these were way before uh, yeah, so yeah, this predated the birth of Christ and Mary. And so there were uh so so kind of what happened with Catholicism is they married some you know they joined some of the pagan beliefs with Christianity. And uh you know, Christ was crucified and buried at the time of the Passover and the Passover occurs within a week of Easter every week or every year and and uh, and so uh, so while we are going to observe an Easter service with a sunrise service here at this church we don't believe in these pagan origins we want to worship the Lord and we do it on a Sunday because he rose from the dead on the first day of the week that's why we come together on Sunday every Sunday and uh, but uh, but some, some of the Catholic married or joined these pagan things with Christian things and uh, kind of the natural conclusion is, is they start worshiping Mary, and they actually, the Catholics actually call her the Queen of Heaven, but in the Bible it's a pagan. They're praying to a pagan goddess, and and it's uh, really like you're saying more demonic in origin. And uh, I, I thought this was very interesting. Let me give you my last point here, my my teaching point. The, his, the historic pagan queen of heaven pictures the great whore of Babylon that's described in Revelation 17, 18, and 19. And uh, it's, the Bible actually says this in Revelation 18, 7, how much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen. The Bible, the Bible actually uses the word queen of this Babylonian uh, whorish lady. She says, and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. So anyway, ho- hopefully that's instructing. It's a little bit like, wow, that's, that's pretty... Uh, Steve, you're saying some pretty strong things here today, and and I feel like I am, but I, I feel like uh, I, I kind of understand uh, what, what's what's going on here, and why this is so dangerous. And uh, let me turn my page here. <clears throat> kind of what's so dangerous about it is, you know, Mary, Mayor Mary herself. She she praised God and she said, uh, "The Lord God, my Savior." You know, Mary was blessed among women, and we don't want to diminish from uh, that. Uh, but she needed a Savior. She called God uh, her Savior, and you know, uh, 
and I gave you another reference in Luke there where people were coming to her or they were coming to Jesus and saying, boy, how great it is, you know, the womb that bare you and the, the paps that you sucked as a child. And he's saying, it's more blessed to believe me than to be my mother, is, is what more or less he said in Luke uh, 11 or 12 there. I gave you the reference. Let me, um, let me give you something else here. I put together a document here about differences in some of what the Catholics believe and what the Bible says. And I wanted to give you just this here at the very end. This is kind of a historical dates, but in uh, in 300, so this is 300 years after the Lord, uh, after A.D., uh, they established uh, prayers for the dead. 313, they, they made the sign of the cross. In 375, they worshipped of saints and angels. The first mass was instituted, 394. And then there, 431, they begin to worship Mary. I don't know if you see that. Can everybody see that, kind of? Okay. Uh, in 500 A.D., the priests began wearing, uh, you know, robes and uh, different than the lay people. I'm not sure what the extreme unction is. The doctrine of purgatory was introduced. 593. Uh, that's like a, a holding place. It's not heaven or hell. It's a place of purgatory where you can, you know, do a certain amount of suffering to pay for your sins. In 600, the worship service was conducted in Latin. They also began directing prayers to Mary in 600. And uh, in 607, this Pope Boniface III was made the first Pope. About 100 years later, they started kissing the Pope's feet. 786, worshiping of images and relics. Five eight, or 850, they started uh, using the holy holy water. Then almost a thousand, they canonized dead saints. So I think even today, I think even in our lifetime, they, they, I think in order to be a saint, you have to have some miracles attributed to you after you die or something like that. It's something like that. There, there's, they have some things written. But in the Bible, uh, it talks about saints as being just living Christians. It's all the saints at Ephesus, the saints at Philippi. They're living people. In the Bible, saints are people that are just Christians that are alive. But saints just mean that you're, you're separated. You're, you're being sanctified. <clears throat> so, 998, they fast on Fridays and during Lent. I've got a friend right now that's dating a Catholic girl and uh, he's giving up Coca-Cola for Lent. Oh, yeah. And he, he's telling me how hard it is. He's like, I usually drink a Coke every day. He's a real disciplined guy, but he's dating a Catholic girl, so he's giving up Coke for Lent. Um, that's a guy I work with today. Uh, 1079, the celibacy of the priesthood. That just means that uh, you know the priests cannot have sex, right? They're not to be married. They begin having prayer beads in 1090. The Inquisition, I don't know if that's the Spanish Inquisition, 1184. But uh, they 
punished or you know you'll be a Christian or you'll you'll get I'll kill you if you don't. That's basically the Inquisition. We're gonna put you on the racks until you recant of your beliefs and believe like we do. Sales of indulgences. You could uh, sell your property and give so much to the church, and they could. Help pay for your dead loved ones to get out of purgatory, that kind of thing. Transubstantiation is where they believe that the the unleavened bread becomes the literal body of Christ, and the the wine or the grape juice becomes the actual blood of Christ. The adoration of the wafer, they call it the host. And in 1229, the Bible was forbidden to lay people. Now that's. That should be a big flag, right? That's why I put that in bold and underline. It's like, you know, all of us in here, including myself, we're we're lay people. You know, you're not clergy. I'm not clergy. We're when we went into the jail, they called us clergy because, uh, you know, I think Pat and I have a we have, we're licensed ministers, and uh, but anyway lay people were forbidden to have a Bible they're like only the priest can know what God says and we'll tell you what it says is was their thought what are you thinking Franny? that's exactly right because uh, back when I had one of my surgeries sometime it's been several years back uh, the nun came in and asked if she could pray for me you know before surgery and everything and uh, I said, sure, and so she said her prayer, and then I came back with a question to her about, and I don't even remember now what mm. it was about or whatever, mm. and she says, oh, well, I, I don't know, I've never heard of that, mm. and so some of the nuns and stuff, it's the same way, they mm. they kind of are not allowed, or at that time, were huh. not allowed to read the Bible, wow. and I started quoting some different verses, and she just looked at me like, that's in the Bible, and I said, "Yeah." Huh. And so, but I was just so taken aback that yeah. here, in my mind, the nun should know everything, you know, like priests and whatever, and she didn't know anything. <laughs> the way I looked at. <laughs> well, that's a good good comment. That, that kind of says what we're saying here. Um, anyway, I guess we'll just read the rest of these. The cup was forbidden to people like communion. I'm not sure what that means. The doctrine of purgatory was creed, decreed, is written down. The doctrine of the seven sacraments. And uh, I think what's funny about that is one, one of the sacraments is marriage. And the priests are forbidden to marriage. So the priests can't even take part of some of the sacraments because one of the sacraments is marriage. So uh, the Ave, Ave Maria approved. Ave Maria, Jesuit order founded, tradition of granted equal authority with the Bible. So now they can say that, you know, Augustine said this, so even though the Bible says this, you know, if they contradict each other, you know, they're kind of, they may go with the Bible, they may go with what, you know, St. Augustine said. The Apocrypha was declared as, as Scripture at the Council of Trent. 1546 Immaculate Conception of Mary so see they they don't even they they not only believe you know the Bible says Mary was a virgin when she conceived Christ but it, it mentions other children but the Catholics believe that she was a perpetual virgin that she never did uh, sleep with a man and even her conception was miraculous I think 
So, uh, syllabus of heirs proclaim infallibility. So that, that's kind of the three the three authorities of the Catholic is the Bible, tradition, and then even the Pope. If the Pope says something that is contrary to the Bible, now you know that presents a problem because he's infallible uh, when he speaks in certain settings. So public schools were condemned. I didn't know about that. Uh, so I guess that's why they have some Catholic schools. Assumption of the Virgin Mary, and then Mary is proclaimed the mother of the church. I think that was uh, at Vatican II, one of their big councils. So anyway, there's several things there about Mary, and uh, I won't dwell on that. And really, I'm not saying anything... I hope I'm not saying anything bad about a Catholic person, but I we just don't believe in some of their practices. Does that make sense? Uh, anyway, I, I really don't go usually go off on a tangent like that, but I, I feel like it fits in our scripture because they they do call Mary the Queen of Heaven, and the chapter we're studying today says that that is an idolatrous practice, and God is going to punish His people for doing that. So. Uh, Anyway, that that to me, we're just going to stick with the Bible. Amen? Amen. All right, all right. We got ten minutes left. Hopefully, I didn't wear you out. Uh, back to uh, verses twenty through twenty-eight. Uh, Jeremiah re- rebu- uh, rebukes the remnant, <clears throat> and what he says here. Let me read. I think it's. Somebody read verse 28 for us. Uh, who wants to read that? Uh, yet a small number of those in the sword shall return to the land of Egypt, to the land of Judah. And all the remnant of Judah, from the land of Egypt, they are gone to the land of Egypt. I'm sorry. Here, I'll start over. <laughs> all number that escape the sword shall return out of the land of Egypt into the land of Judah, and all the remnant of Judah that are gone into the land of Egypt to sojourn there. Shall know the Lord shall stand. Yeah, so that, that was why I put in your next to the last blank was just the word challenge. Is God God saying, let's just see if your words hold up or my word. You, you say you're not going to follow my word, and I'm saying I'm going to bring the sword, and only a few of you is going to escape. So let, let's see, let's see. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to challenge you, uh, children of God. So uh, you know. Uh, I brought this up Friday night. To me, uh, people that have had addiction issues, addiction, and and uh, let me just share this: the word Babylon. Um, it means confusion. So God's people were taken captive in a place that called confusion, and uh, kind, of the, kind of the reason I brought this, you know, I think God's people are very confused. They're, they're down in Egypt, but the Babylonians are coming to get them, and so yeah, we're hearing God's word here, but we want to do this, and and we we believe we we confused people believe 
the reason we're not being blessed and the reason we're not happy is because we, we quit worshiping the Queen of Heaven. So our determination, we're going to serve the Queen of Heaven so that, so that uh, we'll be blessed, we'll be happy, we'll live in this beautiful place of Egypt. But, but they're deceived. And God just cuts through all that and just says, Hey, follow me, obey me. I, I just feel like if people would really, truly just... Uh, and I, I, told, I used to tell the people in jail... Uh, 